The word literally means to bring into subjection, to bring into bondage, to keep under by force. You tell me, does that sound like laid back living or warrior talk? Right? Throughout the Old Testament, we see this constant theme. Think about it. In the book of Exodus, we see the man Moses fighting for the freedom of Jewish slaves. He starts with his hands, and when that fails, he falls upon the promises of God. The story of Joshua still follows in suit, but doesn't quite have the same theme. Instead of fighting for freedom, Joshua leads the Israelites into battle for the land that God had promised them and ultimately for their future. And when the generation of Joshua fades away and warriors become too few, a new generation comes forth, one that hadn't seen any battle. And according to the Bible, God left enemies in the land with the intent to train up this next generation on how to fight. Now, he did this to reveal to them their struggle to follow God's ways. From this generation came forth Samson. Now, I know while Samson had his issues with alcohol and wild women, the tales of his battles are still told today. I mean, it's hard to forget a man who defeats hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people with the jawbone of a donkey. A few books later, we start to hear the songs of Saul and David. Saul's killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. It was David who penned a popular phrase amongst veterans and soldiers today. Psalm 144, verse 1. Some of you will know this. He trained my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. It is in this season that a group of men are assembled who we call the mighty men. However, some battles, as you move on, they're not won by the sword as we see in the book of Esther. Her God-given beauty captured the attention of the king of Babylon, and she used her influence and wisely saved her nation from being butchered at the hands of the Persians. Likewise, Ezra and Nehemiah, they politically battled a few greedy individuals that cared more about their house and less about God's house. The New Testament leader that stands out like no other is Jesus, right? The Son of God. Not only uh, is every story in the Old Testament a prophetic view of the qualities of Christ, but Jesus was strong enough as a man to intimidate men like Peter. (laughs) We'll let this happen here. (laughs) Got to remember to lock that door. Let 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 me start again here. So obviously Jesus is the leader from the New Testament. And, and, and not only is every story in the Old Testament a prophetic view of the qualities of Christ, but Jesus himself exemplifies everything a warrior should be. Think about it. Jesus was strong enough as a man to intimidate men like Peter. Who was boisterous and full of questions. Yet Jesus was also secure enough as a man to embrace intimacy and the sensitivity of men like John. Jesus showed us the importance of life when he kept his mouth shut. Regardless of innocence, he and approached the cross. Can you imagine the courage of Jesus? How much discipline does it, does it take to stay focused on your mission, especially when everyone hates you and your friends don't understand you? Why does he do it? To save us all. And ultimately, to please the Father. 
2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For they, then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. This was Paul's discipleship solution to the young pastor and teacher, Timothy. Be a soldier, he says. Endure it. The life of the soldier or warrior isn't easy. As Paul testifies in his letter to the Corinthians. Listen to his uh, uh, tour of duty, so to speak. 1 Corinthians 11. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leader gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray that do I not burn with anger? Is that nice talk or warrior talk? Are you starting to get a picture of what a warrior looks like? If not, then let's break it down a bit. I'm going to keep it very simple, and I want to give you five attributes that we easily find in the Bible when it comes to being a warrior. I believe these five attributes are found in all warriors throughout the Scripture, and I think that as we explore this, you will see it as well. So let's start with the first things first. All warriors are self-aware, are self-aware. Now, I believe it was Socrates uh, where we first hear the concept of know thyself. Know thyself. Every warrior must have a correct view of themselves, of their strengths, and most definitely their weaknesses. In the Bible, we see this in many places. In Psalm 26, verse 2, King David asked the Lord to test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. There must be times in our life when we expose within us the things that need to be exposed. We need to be aware of the sin that lies deep within us. And we need to pray to the Lord to do it. How can we know what to defend unless it's been tested or tried? Jeremiah went a step farther in his pursuit to know his heart. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. He comes to this conclusion that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond a cure. Who can understand it, he says. It is the pursuit of knowing himself that led him to this profound biblical statement. Knowing that our heart struggles to do right prepares us for the emotional roller coaster that life can be. And especially for what battle can be. You know, this isn't in my notes, but when you know yourself and you know the wicked side of you, it makes you humble. Which is a wonderful quality. I, I don't cover it here, but Come on, when you really know yourself, it's hard to get prideful. When you know that you're just as big a liar as everybody else out there, you could just as easily backbite someone just as much as they do you. Matter of fact, if you probably reflected upon your life, you could find the times you're just as, worse, you're just as bad as your worst enemy. 
The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, was once quoted saying, Beware of no man more than yourself, for we carry our worst enemies within us. If you've ever really done some soul searching, you know this is true. No one can be more patronizing, more hurtful, or defeating than our own voice that speaks within us. No one can make you doubt or impress fear upon you like your false sinful self living inside you. It's no wonder that Jesus begs us to take up our cross and crucify that side of us. Brennan Manning in his book, Abba's Child, through much observation on the subject, reveals something like this. He says, many Christians find themselves defeated by the most psychological weapon Satan uses against them. This weapon has the effectiveness of a deadly missile. Its name? Low self-esteem. Satan's greatest psychological weapon is a gut-level feeling of inferiority, inadequacy, and low self-worth. This feeling shackles many Christians in spite of wonderful spiritual experiences and knowledge of God's Word. Although they understand their position as sons and daughters, they are tied up in knots, bound by a terrible feeling of inferiority, and chained to a deep sense of worthlessness. Know yourself. Know yourself. What are your weak points? What are your struggles? Ask Jesus to help you with these things. Jesus came so that you could be free of these things, but you can't know what you need to be free from if you never learn what your strengths and your weaknesses are. Embrace the tests that happen in life. Because sometimes it's only through the fire that we learn what we really are. Warriors are also people of faith. People of faith. The entire Bible is full of men and women who would definitely uh, uh, be looked at for prime examples of faith. As a matter of fact, God secured like an entire chapter in Hebrews, sometimes called the Hall of Faith. The Hebrews writer is quick to point out that faith gives reality to what is not seeable. It produces a good reputation, and it believes when others doubt. I can't imagine better qualities for a warrior culture. There are just too many times in life where we battle, sometimes physically, sometimes spiritually, often mentally, right? Faith in the Lord and His purposes allow us to overcome obstacles. Faith allowed Noah the ability to build a large boat that would ultimately save his family. Faith allowed Abraham to live an obedient life before the Lord. Faith allowed Joseph to believe that he would eventually save his family. And it was faith that allowed Moses to have courage to stand before Pharaoh. It was faith, by faith, that many, according to Hebrews 11, if you look at verse 33, that people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from death. Now, the next few verses unfolds the power of faith when things don't go your way. They reveal how faith can hold us steady when everything seems tough. Hebrews eleven thirty five through 40. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. 
They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were saved, sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Faith is the glue that holds us together when things don't go our way. Faith allows us to press on and to push forward. Faith creates legacy Hear me. Faith creates legacy and legend. Don't believe me? Go read the Bible. Not only are those who possess great faith immortalized in Scripture, but their God has become legendary. Go ask the Egyptians. To this day, when they, when they I don't know if you knew this, but when they, uh, Charlton Heston, when he had done the, 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 the movie about Moses and, and the whole parting of the Red Sea, uh, uh, when he had done that, guess what? You know the Egyptians still know the story of Moses? That's Jewish history, not Egypt. They don't like that as Egyptian history. You usually don't like carrying your, uh, battle, your defeats around. But even they have heard of Moses and the God of the Jews. Thirdly, all warriors have courage. Now, courage is a fruit on the tree of faith. Faith produces courage. Leonard Ravenhill once said, A man who is intimate with God is not intimidated by any man. If more people understood that intimacy with the Lord would produce courage, I think most people would pray more. You'd live less in fear more. Even more so than Pastor Ravenhill, I think Jesus expresses this not only in the words he spoke, but how he lived. In Matthew 10, uh, it reads like this in verse 28, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One, one copper coin? But not one single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than the whole flock of sparrows. Through intimacy with Christ, we found our value in the Father. Our value to the Father causes us to realize the bigness of God versus the smallness of men. In this moment of clarity, we find courage. We begin to realize whom the battle really belongs to. We become like David before Goliath, right? Not confident in our own ability. I'm standing out here with a sling and a rock. But confident in the glory of the Lord. This is the Lord's battle. This is what allows a young group of boys to stand before a king in Persia and declare, whether you throw us in the fire or not, we're not going to bow down to your gods. Courage isn't something we're born with either. Courage is the recognition of who is in control and being confident in faith to the one that controls every outcome. Courage comes because we know God. We have faith in Him. We recognize that the battle is His. All of this is warrior culture. This is what makes, strong, this is what makes people of legacy and legend. They believe, they know, they have faith, they have courage. 
All warriors also have discipline. And this might be the toughest of all attributes, man. To have discipline is more than physical. It's mental toughness that must be trained and developed. What you saw in that video, he's punched it before. Why can't you do it? Because it hurts. Punch through the pain. Mental. From the very beginning in Genesis, we see this idea of having to conquer the land. We talked about this to subdue it. The concept of discipline is formed right there. It starts right in Genesis 1. You better be disciplined because to subdue the ground means we're going to have to work it every day. Jesus stressed this idea when he said that anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9, 62. I have always reflected on Genesis 1, and this scripture right here and always said in the redneck fashion that I do that unless you come to before the Lord with blistered hand and a sweaty back, you're not going to be in heaven. That's what it says. When talking about work and purpose, Jesus often used farming analogies. And you tell me, when was the last time you saw a lazy farmer? According to Agriculture Farm Journal, around 75% of farmers report spending an average of 10 or more hours a day on farm work. A day, not five days a week, a day. Think about that the next time you're eating. You might try and remember that you're enjoying your food because somewhere out there is a man or a woman that has the discipline to put in countless of hours into producing the very thing you're enjoying. Warriors must have discipline. They must train. You don't become a warrior overnight. It takes years. Constant training. As a United States Marine, I spent three and a half months at boot camp. Training and training, getting into the physical shape that you need to be. I left there. I went straight into Marine combat training, and I spent four weeks training in combat-related fields, tearing down different weapons, getting, becoming an expert at some different weapons. And as if that wasn't enough, they sent me to another eight to nine weeks of school of infantry. And there I trained even more and was even more taking it up even a, a higher notch into how much we were going to run and do physical training and how many weapons we were going to qualify. And then I pushed into the fleet. And you would think, and I'm going to tell you as a kid, I thought, okay, well, that's over then. All the hard stuff is over, except for three to four times out of the week or three or four nights out of the week, I was going to go sleep on the ground and dig holes because that's what we do in battle. And we, we, we practice, we train just like we're, it's the real thing, always. So you're carrying all this weight. You're constantly getting up every morning and getting physically tested. You're constantly getting out there, and you're going over strategies and techniques. You're constantly having to learn how to fight each other. I can tell you that for every three months I think I was in the, the fleet, I had to go through the gas chamber. And I'm telling you, it's like getting sprayed with mace once every three months. It doesn't feel good. Why? I only saw combat for two or three months out of my entire time in service. Why do we keep doing it? Because constant training, constant discipline to the training is what makes the warrior. It's what makes the warrior. We constantly train so that one day if we face battle, we would be ready. The art of discipline begins when you accept, hear me, when you accept that there is no easy way, that the only way things are accomplished in life is through hard work and a dedicated life. There is no kicking back on the lazy boy. There is no kicking back. There's always things that need to be done. It's not to say that you shouldn't have a time of vacation or a time of rest. You should, but make no mistake. 
If you let yourself slip, it is real easy to fall back. If you want to attain spiritual heights, get up in the morning. Get on your knees. And then make time to read the Bible and know God. You don't become a spiritual patriarch by being lazy or lethargic. And you won't become a warrior either. All warriors, lastly, all warriors must be compassionate or, we'll just say, full of love. And maybe more than anything we discussed so far, compassion or love, it's the greatest requirement of being a warrior. Nothing will drive the soul of a person like love. Don't believe me? Look at God. This isn't even my notes, but the easiest thing to tell you is this. Why do you think God's doing everything he's doing? Because he loves us. That guy moves heaven and earth out of love. This is a guy out of love. He would drive his son to the cross. Out of love, he has pursued us. Out of love, he has decided and has chosen us. Out of love, he has done everything. He has moved everything to get to us. Nothing will drive the soul of a person like love. If this life has taught me anything, it's that not all wars are won by fighting. Some can only be won through compassion. That is the whole story of Jesus. Through much compassion, he endured the cross to save us. It is the love of God that has set us free and saved us from eternal death. It is love that defeats hate by pursuing godly perfection. Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you in a way that you will be acting as the true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're only kind, if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Can I, can I imagine what would really be said if I begin to have a prayer night? Can you imagine if I had a prayer night once a week and we were going to pray for ISIS? What if I put that in the paper? How much criticism would you think I'd get? What if we prayed for the Taliban? That those men would come to know Jesus? Even though I would say they're, they're there to come to know Jesus, you would know my intent. How much criticism would I take? I might as well be like sitting down at the, uh, uh, the, to, to the anthem, right? I might be like uh, Colin Kaepernick or somebody like that, right? I might as well do something that seems so crazy. But isn't that what he says here? To love those who hate us? That is what makes us different, that we can love regardless of what somebody gives back? And, and therein lies what love really is. Love is not a reciprocal thing. Love, love can love without it being coming back at you. Jesus, given a mission by God the Father, faces an unbelievable amount of persecution in his life. His love would be the defining attribute and ultimately the driving force that allowed him to succeed. His love for us kept his mouth shut when they falsely accused him. His love for us is what drove him to the cross. His love for us resurrected him from the grave and gave us eternal life. The Apostle Paul, he speaks on love pretty eloquently to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I'd be as noisy gong or as clanging simple. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could 
move mountains but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Oh, so you can make it look like you're loving and still not be loving, is what he's saying there at the end. What is anything worth if there's no love in it? What good is anything if we've already looked over and there's no love to appreciate it or love to bring fire to it? If the love of Christ, it's the love of Christ that has not only conquered our sins, but also will be what eventually conquers civil rights and racism. It's the love of Christ that's going to conquer our racial divide. Guys, it's, it's the love of Christ that's going to stop the suicide epidemic amongst our veterans. It's, it's love that's going to conquer that. It's not the VA, guys. If you think the VA is going to help the, the veterans, that's a joke. If you think there's a doctor that's going to help you, that's a joke. All warriors possess a faith culture. The warrior culture, what do we just say? Faith is one of those attributes. And faith allows you to what? Look back and reflect on who is in control. The God. God is in control. And you have faith that God is in control. So you continue to move and trust the Lord that he knows what he's doing. And you fight to the bitter end. I'm going to tell you right now, like I don't, I'm not one of those guys that lays down. I don't lay down. I don't give up. I fight till it's over. Till it's over. I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, they're like, you know, when it comes to die, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to die. God's going to have to come down himself and physically take me from this earth. And they're like, that's crazy talk. I'm like, is it? I said, well, it, they'll tell me like, well, it broke Jacob's leg. When Jacob wrestled with God, it broke his leg. Well, then come break my leg. Come break my leg. That's not a challenge. I, think, I know I'm going to lose. I can't beat God. It's not that saying that. But I'm saying this. He'll have to come down, and he'll have to come get me personally. And I believe he will. And I believe, and what my promise to God is in saying all of that is this, that I will fight with my last breath to do everything I can upon this earth to tell the last person about Jesus until you come and take me. And until then, until you like clear, clearly tell me that you're coming, God, I'm going to fight this world to stay here. Because every day, come on, man, age and time, it just catches up. Every day. You can't beat that one. Time doesn't allow you to sit still. It doesn't allow you to get younger either. But make no mistake, when we face it, we fight to the bitter end. To continue to do the things that God has called us to do here. And when God takes us, let it be said that God is the one who took us. Let it be said that we walked with God and we're no more for God took us. We've walked with God. We fought with God. We did things with God until God said, you've arrived. Come. Come now. By the way, that's the only time you arrive in the Christian walk. It's the love of God that drives us. It's the love of God that will give you the strength to be the warrior he has created you to be. If we are to be the image of Christ, then it's going to take a warrior mindset. We're going to have to become self-aware. Do you realize the first thing about being self-aware is this, is understanding how big of a sinner you are? Because it's not until you understand how big of a sinner you are that you can even understand salvation or your need for it, right? You, you, you have to have it. And that creates faith. And through faith, we start to realize things are bigger than us. Right? And when we start to realize things are bigger than us, that we're not alone in every battle that we face, all of a sudden we have courage. 
You see where it's going? Right? This is the Christian walk, guys. I call it a warrior culture because that's maybe that's the thing, being a Marine, or maybe that's the thing about being a man, or like watching, even watching that video and being something like that, 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 that I look at it and I go, man, that's, that's every person needs to understand that. Make no mistake, every mom's the one doing push-ups too. Holding her child on her back. Things are going to come at you and come at you, and you're holding everybody up, ladies. I, you're in the same position, same position. I'll, I'll give you a free one, ladies, just to make you feel good today. We picked the Spartan logo because we feel like it represents what, what the attributes of the warrior culture. The idea that flesh and blood is what makes up the kingdom of God and that we must be strong and resilient, that we are of the Lord, right? One of the things Spartan women used to say, uh, and this is the truth, this Spartan women used to say is that uh, only Spartan women could give birth to real men. <laughs> That's what they used to say. Because <laughs> uh, uh, only in Sparta were women considered somewhat the equal to the men. And the whole reason why was because only Spartan women give birth to real men. So that was kind of their equality amongst the Spartan. That's my freebie for you. So are you up to the task? It's not going to be easy. You're going to need discipline. You're going to have to train. It means getting up early in the morning and praying. It means knowing God, trying to always to know God, and trying always to be hungry. An insatiable hunger and insatiable thirst that can only be quenched by discipline and by training. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't feel good. Can I tell you that I'm on day, this will be day 14. I haven't done them yet, the push-ups. But I don't know if you've caught any of that lately. Uh, and I have a soft heart for the guys I served with. Um, just, I don't know why, just whatever it is, we endure things together. And we, we saw things through, through some rough times in young life. And it causes you to bond together when you go through some rough things. And, and so when they challenged me, I was like, oh, my gosh, do push-ups? I'm not like the most physically fit guy. And so, like, and not only that, you know, Marines are arrogant. So they're, like, knocking out Marine Corps push-ups, which are, by the way, are two push-ups equal one. Yeah, how it works is they, like, start out one, two, three, one. So they do 44 push-ups. Well, I was already looking at that going, there is no way. Right? I mean, come on. And so I start out by doing the 22, just 22 regular push-ups. And my wrist hurts so bad. The first two, I mean, like, it just first two or three days, I'm like, I'm like holding my wrist and just taking Tylenol. Come on. Right? I'm going, I am way too bad out of shape to be doing this. You know, I'm feeling old. You know, I wear hearing aids now. I, you know, come on. Come on, guys. What are we doing here? Let, leave this up to the young guys. But I keep doing it because I feel bad if I, like, if I, like, they've called me out on it. Maybe a little pride, too, but also feel and bear the responsibility of the love for my brothers. I mean, we, we, one of the things I do share with my friends is I did have a friend who came back about a year and a half after he got out. And this, we were, I was really close with him, and, and he, he killed himself. And so this is like, it has a personal thing with me, so I'm like, I can't quit. So I just keep, you know, push-ups every day. And you know around day, or like the eighth day that I'm doing push-ups, it like quits really hurting. It doesn't hurt as bad now. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'm, I'm working it out. I'm working it out. And then I see one of the other guys start doing push-ups, and he's kind of like my uh, shape. I'm not saying physique. Shape more like it, right? And, and I see it, and he's like knocking out Marine Corps push-ups. I'm like, now I'm really embarrassed. 
this guy's every bit as big as me, and he's doing these Marine Corps push-ups. And now it's like day 11 or whatever, and I'm thinking, okay, it's time. Because really, the 22 had gotten pretty easy. And so I was like, okay, it's time. And, and I saw him struggle, and I was like, you know what? For a guy who talks about I should be okay with everybody seeing me struggle, I'm not going to lie. Putting your video out of you struggling doing uh, 40 push-ups seems very uh, embarrassing. All right? Especially a guy who was a Marine. Makes it even more embarrassing. And, uh, but I see him do it, and I'm like, I swallow my pride, and I go to knock him out, and I realize, man, I can knock him out. I couldn't believe I could even do him, but I got knocked out. And now my sh- left shoulder hurts really bad. <laughs> and um, I say all that to tell you that just as soon as you conquer something in life, right, you take the next big step of faith. And then something else hurts, right? And you're tempted once again to stop and just quit and go back or take a step back. But warrior culture, the idea of what we do in Christianity, it doesn't allow us to. Jesus said, you don't get to look back. People who look back aren't fit. Now, Jesus is forgiving. We all look back, don't we? But he's trying to encourage you. He's trying to be like that drill instructor type. Look forward. You got this. You've got this. Like, and what I love about it is, you know what encourages us? Or really, God sends us each other. Right? He sent my Marine Corps buddies who look like me to tell me or, or like implant the idea that you can do this. Quit living on I can. Start saying I can. Yeah, it's going to hurt. Not just your muscles, Jim, hurt your pride. But, and this is being honest, right? Your lack of taking care of yourself is what got you there. So get after it. Get up and try. When you fail, try again. Keep pressing in. Keep pushing in. Now, what drives me to do that? Love. It is the driving force of my life. And it should be the driving. And it's not my love because my love is weak. My love, my love is frail. My love often sometimes only loves when it's reciprocal. It's the love of Christ. When I study love, one of these days I need to do just a whole study because I've done it with youth before to really teach them what love is. When you really look at what it says love is, you really see how small your love is. Jesus is the example of love. He loved you regardless of you ever loving him. Love doesn't have to, you don't have to be loved back to love someone. And if you do, then something's wrong. Love is a driving force. It is a catalyst for great things in your life. It, 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 be prepared. It comes with emotional roller coaster. Emotional roller coasters. But root yourself, train yourself, discipline yourself. In God's word. In God's word. Have faith in him. That'll build up your faith in him. And then once you start to realize he's in control, he's in control, he's in control, you quit worrying about what others think. You quit worrying about what everybody says. Right? And then you can live. You can really live. You can live your life. You can start to believe that you're going to punch through the things that have been holding you back. You can start to believe those things. Why? Because the battle is not yours. It's God's. And your faith in him will rise the courage up within you. And it won't matter what anybody says. 
won't matter what you like. I love how we started off with you talking about my accusers are gone. God, you've taken care of them. It won't matter what anybody says and what an accuser, what anybody's doing, anything. It'll always be you'll focus in on the Lord. You'll have a single minded. You'll look at God. And, in, and in, when you look at the bigness of God, everything else will grow small. Everything else will get small. Your bills will get small. Your troubles will get small because God is so big. And the more you live this life, the more you know God. This is the way it's going to be. It's going to kind of work itself out. Is it going to be easy? No, there are going to be times where your shoulders are going to hurt. Your wrist is going to hurt. Your pride's going to hurt. Make no mistake about it. There's going to be pain. Discipline will see you through that. Discipline will see you through that. Intimacy with God will see you through that. But you got to be disciplined to have intimacy. I'm going to tell you right now, my married couple's in here. You fail to have discipline and intimacy in your marriage, you don't have a marriage. Period. You gotta, that's a discipline thing because it's real easy to get comfortable with your mate and not go out on dates and not treat each other like you did in the beginning and not do those things. And if you're not disciplined to be intimate with each other or create moments where you can be, you will not have a marriage. Do you think that God is any different, you and God? If you're not disciplined in, in being intimate with God, there will be no relationship between you and God. And it won't be God's fault. God is there every time. God hangs around you regardless if you ever notice him, feel him, whatever. He's ready to talk with you anytime you're ready to talk. Matter of fact, I think he begs. Because God's not too prideful to beg. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Jesus begs and pleads for you to come. Begs and pleads for you to come. Warrior culture. That's why we have the Spartan on the front. We recognize our brokenness. That's the whole mosaic and our brokenness. That's this, we, we recognize our weaknesses, guys. It's all, it's all the same stuff here. I'm not preaching anything we haven't really heard or before. But it's a whole culture that we have to cycle through cycle through it's all the same and when we start to think of it like that when we start to think it'll help us it'll help us i'm going to invite the worship team to to come back the things you should be thinking about is are you up for the task will you do what it takes to be intimate with the lord will you spend the time will you spend the discipline that it will need the other thing you better ask yourself is this is how much uh can you take Where's your bottom at? Have you yet to see it? You think you have. I think everybody thinks they have until there's a whole new bottom. Just as soon as you get numb, like I said, like I did the push-up thing, as soon as I got used to the, to the wrist, all of a sudden the shoulder's hurting. And I take it up a notch, and now I found a new bottom. And I take it up a notch, and now it's more pain. And at what point will my brain go, okay, that's enough? Right? At what point for the child who punched through the board, at what point... Can I not punch through anymore? And when that point comes, can I tell you, that's when God will punch through for you. God will help you get you there, but you've got to help embrace that. You've got to embrace that culture. Stand to your feet.
us right where we are. Lord, I just pray that as we go into this time of worship, Lord, Lord, you see every broken part of our heart.
reason why we have discipline, God. You're the reason why we can love, oh God. Lord, all good things come from you, God. All good things come from you, God. Help us to subdue the ground. Help us to subdue our life, God. Teach us, oh God, our strengths and our weaknesses, oh God. Let us be self-aware, God, because in our self-awareness, God, we will see us for who we really are, God, and lean greatly upon you. For it is in you that eternal life is, God. Help us, God, to bear our cross, to have the courage to walk forward, oh Lord, to take the pain, God, and push through. To push through, God. Lord, we, Jesus, we thank you for walking with us every single day of our life, God walk right beside us, God. You were there through the entire moment. You're not standing on the other side saying, come to me. You are walking with us. Thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name. If there's anyone this morning that needs prayer or anything, come forward. Right now is a good opportunity in the altar. Rachel's going to keep playing. But just let's take a few minutes right here. And if, if you don't come forward, that's okay. But let's just if not, let's just take a few minutes to just thank the Lord. Just thank the Lord. If you need prayer, come forward now.
us pray real quick. Father, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for our opportunity. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that it is to worship you. The privilege that it is to read your word and be your friend. That the God of heaven and earth and all therein would want to know us at all is baffling. God, there, you know, there are many times where I've had that conversation with you. I don't know what you see in us, God, but I'm glad you see it. Maybe it's the reflection of your son. I hope so, God. For we are, are children who pursue him, God. We, we pursue your son, Lord. As he pursued you, help us be his image to this world. Help us to be the sons and daughters you called us to be, God. Give us the strength we need, the courage we need, the discipline we need, God. We know life will be the training ground, and it's going to teach us, God. But help us have the mind to know when it's happening. Prepare us mentally, God, for the things that are coming. Help us to return. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Guys, I love you. I love you. I hope you have a wonderful day. It is beautiful. I hope you're doing something outside. You need to bring out your grill. You need to cook out. Tell somebody you love them. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed this morning. You're dismissed too.